So Paul says, for this reason, verse 22, I have been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while, but now, verse 25, I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those in Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of the spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Verse 28, Therefore, when I have performed this, and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by the way to you, of you to Spain. But I know when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, that through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with all you. Amen. I commend to you, 16, Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centria, that you may receive her in the Lord as, a, as in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my, bro- my beloved um, Phanatus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Junia my countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, my fellow worker in Christ. And Statius, my, uh, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who, is, who are in the Lord. Greet Typhania and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord, greet those, greet, greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet that guy, and Sentius, Philagon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philologus and Julia. And Nereus and his sister Olympus and all the saints who are with them greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Now I urge you, verse 17, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses contrary, contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. For those are such, excuse me, 18, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by, by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise 
and what is good and simple concerning evil, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, Soispater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Cordus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. 25, not to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures, made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone be wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Pray with me. Father God, we come before you this morning, this new day, and this is your house, and this is where the brokenhearted come. And uh, I lift up everybody here. I pray that every, everybody's heart here, Lord, we would not hold back from you. It would be wide open for your word, your healing, your touch. Your guidance this morning, we lift up our brother, our pastor, Jackie, moving him, we're going. Holy Spirit, come. Christ, in your name we pray. Amen. Oh, there's a lot of people out in the congregation this morning they were saying, thank God he didn't ask me to read that. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of rugged names, brother. There's some pretty cool stuff that we want to look at. So, you know, maybe we're aiming too high. We'll see. The plan is to finish Romans. Just because I got it out doesn't mean it's going to happen, though. But as we take a look at it, we're, we're finishing up the... The idea of what is, the, what is the practice of the righteousness of God. And we, we have one final point that we want to do. Well, as we looked at it, we began in chapter 12, uh, in this section of Romans, looking at uh, what does it mean? What is, uh, what is the, or what are the expressions of God's righteousness in our life? And we talked about a real dedication in, in uh, Romans chapter 12. We talked about uh, real love, love being without hypocrisy. We, we talked about radical obedience to the law of the land in chapter 13. As we live out our lives, living out the love that God called us to live out fulfills the law. So we see, we see that in chapter 13. Chapter 14, we talked about freedom. Everybody gets hung up on their freedom, what they're free to do. But what the Bible tells us is you're free to give up all your freedoms. That's your freedom. To lay down all that stuff for the sake of your brother, to help your brother, whatever's expedient or helpful for someone else is what we're free to be a part of. And the last thing we talked about last week was uh, dynamic unity, that we're one, that we're called to be one body together. If you remember, we talked about having one attitude, that the strong owe it to the weak to bear with them, not to please themselves, uh, but to edify others, following the example that Christ gave us and the encouragement that we see in the Scripture. That leads us to one worship, with one voice, giving praise and glory uh, to God Almighty. We're one people, no longer Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. We're all one 
in Christ Jesus. We're one people and we have one mission. Go into all the world and make disciples. Taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to people who don't know it. And as we come to the end of that section last time in in uh, 1521, we're seeing Paul talking about, I'm going to go where nobody's gone before. He's like doing a Star Trek uh, uh, commercial before Star Trek. To boldly go, where, don't act like you guys don't know what that is. <laughs> a star who? No, that's before Star Wars. For you young ones, young ones, middle-aged ones who know Star Wars, I guess. The young ones, I don't know what they know. But anyways, boldly go where no man has gone before. He wants to go where the gospel hasn't been. So that's kind of been his his design and his desire. So now what we're going to see, last part of Romans, we're going to see Paul's heart. We've seen the the principles of the righteousness of God and the problems in the righteousness of God and the practices of the righteousness of God. Now we come to the end and and we get to see Paul's heart. So hopefully we'll be able to to see this this missionary heart of Paul. In that missionary heart of Paul, we're going to see that he had a vision, a plan, a design, a place that he was going. He had a willingness to go. He had a a praying heart. He had a loving heart. He had a protecting heart. He had a contagious heart. And he sums it all up with a heart of praise. Looking unto the Lord as his deliverer. So as we look at Romans 15, verse 22 we see this first part that, that Paul had a vision. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain, I will come to you for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while. He lays out his vision. He's got a purpose. He, he Remember, he wants to go where no man has gone before. And in that time, in the time frame of Paul, the place where no one had gone before, the outer limits of, of the world was Spain. Going all the way to Spain. That was the edge. Now, I'm not saying there weren't people in other places, but there weren't roads to get to people in other places, nor boats taking you to other places. That was the end of Paul's world. So when Paul finishes his race, he's able to say that he has gone from as far as he could go, To take the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever he can. So he has a vision. He's got a plan. I'm going to go to Spain. And on my way to Spain, I'm going to stop by Rome. He says over and over again how he wanted. He longed to go to Rome. But Paul's never been there. He didn't plant the church there. He's he's never been to that place. So later on when we get to chapter 16 and we see all the names of the people he's, he's talking about greeting. How's he know so many people in Rome if he ain't never been there? Oh, we'll talk about that. But, but we see as he's, as he's coming to this place, he's got a vision, he's got a plan, he's got a purpose to go to Rome, to preach, to, to see that they're able, that the, the church in Rome is able to come alongside, become co-laborers with him, and to support him in his trek to Spain. That's his plan. And he, he lays it out for him. He's, he's planning on going there to receive some help so that he may be able to go. But then, not only do we see he's got a vision or direction, but then we see he's willing to do something that doesn't make any sense. When we talk about having a missionary heart and a heart willing to go and be who God wants us to be, we have to ask ourselves, are you willing to do the things that don't make sense? That's Bob and Christine. Because I'm sure if they could pick, they'd rather just be here with their friends and, and 
But that's not what God's asking them to do. And you, you see the, the gifts and the, and the purposes in, in their hearts that God's using. And then sometimes God says, I want you to go 2,000 miles out of your way. I know you want to go to Rome and, and, and through Rome to Spain. But before you do that, I just want you to take a side journey for 2,000 miles. You guys okay with that? You guys know he didn't get on a plane, right? Oh, i got to buy a plane ticket. How did he get 2,000 miles? Yeah. How many pair of sandals do you think he wear out on that trip? Now, there's a couple of boat rides he's going to be on on the way and a couple of shipwrecks. But, but he's on his way to Jerusalem. Look what he says in verse 25. He's willing to go wherever God asks him to go. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. So therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. He says, I'm coming guys, I'm on my way and I can't wait to get there. But first I got to go 2,000 miles out of my way to Jerusalem to drop off an offering. Well, fur. Can't somebody else take it? Why you got to go, Paul? Why are you going 2,000 miles out of your way? And when we, if we look a little bit, I think we can see at least three reasons why Paul wants to go. Why he, why he feels directed by God and his desire to go to Rome to first go to Jerusalem, which is not on the way. He says, I, I think the first thing <coughs> that we see is it's for the reputation of the gospel. Here, this, this collection, this offering that's been gathered up throughout all the Gentile churches in Achaia and Macedonia and throughout Asia as an expression of a radical change that has occurred in the lives of those people in those churches. It's an expression of the radical change that has occurred in their life. And Paul wants to bring that expression and show it to the church in Jerusalem where it all started. When's the last time, back then, you think the Gentiles in Macedonia, Greece sent a bunch of money to the Jews in Jerusalem that were having a hard time. Think they ever thought about them? Think it ever mattered to them at all? But when the gospel got there, and as they got saved, and the Spirit of God came into them, and they began to know and hear about their brothers, regardless of of ethnic background, it didn't make any difference. When they started to hear that their brothers were having a hard time, the Scripture says they wanted to give. That's a radical change. Because before Christ, I didn't want to give nobody nothing. I don't want to give you a blasted thing. I worked hard for that quarter. And I don't drop it in a slot machine. I don't put it in a gumball maker. I pile them up until I can get something I want. But the radical change that occurred because of their life with Christ changed their hearts. And so Paul wants to come and show 
It's like show and tell for the church that started it all. The church that's, that's bummed. The church that's kind of run down, going through a hard time and wondering if this was all really worth it. And he wants to show them, look how much that faith that began in that place on that day in Pentecost. Look how it's changing the world. Look at all these people who are coming alongside to help you out. And so Paul's excited to, to show what the gospel does in the lives of people. In fact, he talks about it in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 9.13. In the New King James Version, it says, While through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. He's saying because the gospel of Christ changed you and you gave, they're going to glorify God. Well... If you didn't see it, look at it in the ESV. In the ESV, it's a little clearer. It says, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession to the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others. So he's saying there to the church that gave, the churches that gave, man, these people are going to glorify God because of the changes that have happened in you and the things that are happening in your heart that make you want to come alongside and help them out. So that's the first thing. The second thing I think, second reason he wants to go, is because of the Christian's commitment to the poor. The scripture tells us that there's a commitment from the Christian to the poor. Not only poor believers, uh, but the poor period. Now, there's no cure for poor. You get that right? Jesus was very clear, the poor you will have with you always. There's no cure for poverty. But there is relief. There is opportunity to help, to minister, to to be a part of things. And, and so Paul was called to do that. He talks about it in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 2, 9 and 10. He says, when James and Cephas, that's Peter. So James and Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the uncircumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So Paul had already told him, it's like when he left, all those years before, in his beginning of his missionary journey, they said, hey, don't forget your roots back here. Things are starting to get tough then. And now Paul's excited to get to be a part of doing, fulfilling a promise that he told Peter and, and James and John that he'd come back and do. So he's, <clears throat> he's stoked to have that opportunity, even though it's 2,000 miles out of his way. The third thing, I think, the third reason is for the unity of the church. Because when churches get together and help each other out, it, it breeds unity. It breeds unity. Look what he said in verse 27 of chapter 15. It pleased them indeed. So they were stoked to give that they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. It, I want you to see two things. It was their duty, it was something that they should do, and it was their, it was their pleasure. They're pleased. It's not like, oh, we gotta get, we gotta go help those guys down there, knuckleheads. No, it was, hey, awesome, we get to be a part, we get to help them, we get to, so they were excited. See, that's what the gospel had done in their hearts and wrought in their hearts. And so, because of the unity between Jew and Gentile, between these two people groups that couldn't get along. You guys can't think of any people groups today that don't get along well, can you? You know that Jesus said in Matthew 24 that nation would be divided against nation? You guys remember that, right? 
And the Greek word for nation divided against nation is ethnos. Ethnic group against ethnic group. Is that how it looks like in the world? Ethnic groups would be divided against one another, but the church is not supposed to be like that. Church is one. There's no ethnicity in the church. There might be different flavors of worship and style and all that stuff. That's great. That's awesome. Whatever works. But there's no division. That wall's been taken down. And this offering from the churches in Achaia, Macedonia to Jerusalem was a way for Paul to show the unity in the church. Look, man, we're all standing together. We're all a part of, of what God's doing. We're all part of the family. Isn't that how it's supposed to be? Shouldn't there be that oneness and that unity? And so he wants to express that. He wants to show them the truth of that. And I think the last thing that we see, the last reason, Paul's saying, I'm willing to go 2,000 miles out of my way to take this offering to the poor in Jerusalem is because it is a love-producing experience of joy. A love-producing experience of joy. You see, he's, he's looking for refreshment and encouragement and excitement of what it's like to give something some give someone something they don't expect. You ever get to do that? You ever got to give somebody a, just bless them? Just not for any particular reason? Man, if you do, you will understand the the love expressed through the experience, the joy that occurs in your life when you get to be a part of it. Long time ago, when I was young, which is indeed a long time ago, I went to Mexico. We took, um, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 700 shoeboxes. You guys know Operation Christmas Child. We're part of it. Every year we were doing Operation Christmas Child down in Mexico. And we actually got to deliver, be a part of the delivering, taking the gifts out, going to the churches down in, uh, uh, gosh, I don't even remember where I used to go. I was down on the end of the Baja doesn't make any difference but we're down there and we're delivering these presents as we're delivering these presents to see a, a little boy or a little girl who has never got a present before never get a present and just watch the the joy and the excitement that man you think that doesn't fill your heart with love holy cow it was amazing i i there was one little boy uh, we went down every, we used to go down every year and we stopped in on this particular family again. You know, a year later, the boy still had the wrapped shoebox on his shelf. He didn't have a lot of stuff. He had, he had a couple of shelves in the house. The houses were garage door houses, some of them that we went down and built. And a year later, he still has that. The wrapping on it, the whole deal. He treasured that. And it would fill our hearts as though we had been a part of an amazing plan of God to meet the need in somebody's life. And so that's why Paul wants to go. And on top of all of that, God has in mind an all-expense-paid trip to Rome. You know that, right? He says, I want to go to Spain, and, and on my way I'm going to pass through Rome. And God has a couple of different ideas about about how that's going to go. But God's ultimate plan is, Paul, you're not going to have to pay for none of this. Don't you worry about it. I will get you there all expense paid. You'll be chained to a Roman guard at the time. You're on a prison ship. But I promise you're going to have an all expense 
paid trip. It was God's purpose. It was God's plan. But, but Paul wants to be about it. So we see in his heart, he's got a, a heart that has vision, direction. I, I, I know I've got to be about my Father's work, right? About doing what God wants me to do. And then we see secondarily, he's got a, a, this, this heart, this desire to be willing to do whatever. If God wants me to go 2,000 miles out of the way, right on. I'll go 2,000 miles out of my way. But the third thing that we see is this missionary heart of Paul is rooted in prayer. It's rooted in prayer. Look at, look at verse 30. Romans 15, verse 30. <clears throat> now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, and that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and be refreshed together with you. And now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Now he says amen like six times in this section. Amen does not necessarily mean we're done. Just in case you were wondering about that. So he's asking about prayer. I like it because he asked for prayer for himself. You guys know that's okay to do, right? It's okay to say, hey, pray for me. Pray for me. Three specific things that he asked for prayer over. Personal deliverance, emotional acceptance, and spiritual refreshment. He wants to be delivered from the the people in Judea who are not believers. He knows when he's going to Jerusalem with his money that there are people there who want to arrest him and would like nothing better than to kill him. So he asks, pray for my deliverance. Otherwise, those guys are going to get me when I get there. In fact, you remember... He was prophesied over. They said the man who owns this belt is going to be tied up, beaten, thrown into prison. And they all tried to talk him out of going. And Paul said, what are you doing trying to break my heart? Don't you know none of these things move me? Nor do I count my, my uh, race as, as one. He is going for the purpose of expressing the joy of God in everything that he's doing. Man, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to lie down. I'm going. I got to go. I got to go. I got to be there. Uh, God's calling. I got to go. 2,000 miles out of the way. So no matter what's waiting, I'm going. But what's he say as he's leading toward that, as he's headed in that direction, he says, look, guys, uh, pray for my deliverance. Because I still want to go to Spain. It's not because he wants to go to Bora Bora. He's looking forward to vacation. Help me get through this week. He says, man, I want to go to Spain. I want to share the the gospel with those in Spain. So pray for my deliverance. He also prayed that it would be accepted. That the service that he gave to Jerusalem would be accepted. That there would be that acceptance. Emotionally, he's thinking, man, I just want to be received when I go. When I come, I I just want them to be happy to see me. Don't you like to go visit people who are happy to see you? Or do you prefer to go visit people who wish you wouldn't come? Oh, you're here. <laughs> yeah, uh, not anymore. I'm not. See you later. He says, man, I pray that they'll accept me there. That I can be a part of, of the body there. And then ultimately, pray that I can have spiritual refreshment when God brings me to you. Now listen, every one of his prayers were answered. So are yours. They're just not always answered the way you want. You see, 
Paul was delivered from the hands of those bloodthirsty men that wanted to kill him. But it didn't stop him from beating him and arresting him and throwing him in prison for two years. But he was delivered from him. He was accepted by the body there in Jerusalem. And they were stoked and they were rejoicing and glorifying God for all the stuff <coughs> that the church had done. But they, there was a couple people there that just wanted him to go be a part of an event at the temple. And so he wanted to please them. And he went to the event at the temple where he was beaten and arrested and thrown into prison for two years. But he was accepted. And he prayed for spiritual refreshment. And his spiritual refreshment came while he was in prison by the hands of men and women who visited him and came alongside him and prayed for him, for his encouragement as he went on. It was all answered. The idea that somehow we get that God is Santa Claus in heaven and his job is to give us all the little things we want. We, we need to exercise out of our mind. And what we need to replace that with is that I live to bring him glory, not the other way around. That's a messed up relationship. You get what I mean? Here's what I mean. If you got a friend and that friend's sole desire is to have you do stuff for them and meet their needs and solve their problems, is that a fulfilling relationship? How much do you like that relationship? Oh, you're looking at your phone when the calls. It even comes up, not their name, it comes up uh, the deadbeat. <laughs> Just in case you get, you know, the names confused with somebody else. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't feel like I can meet somebody else's needs right now. Don't we do that? Don't we, we would rather have a relationship that goes two ways, right? A relationship where someone's there for us as well as we can be there for them. Agreed? So if that's what we expect in human relationships, why do you think it should be different with God? Why do we think our relationship with God should hinge on Him meeting our every need? Don't you think somewhere in that there ought to be us fulfilling His purpose for us in our life? accomplishing His uh, perfect will in our life, God's plan and purpose. So, when we pray, hey, we're just reporting for duty. Lord, here's what I need. And, and then we receive the answers God gives us and we keep going. I'm not a fair-weather friend of God. I am a bond servant, slave. He's the master. I'm following Him. I'm so thankful for the good things He gives me and He does for me, but I also know that in the furtherance of His gospel, it's going to require me to walk down some dark roads where things are a little tough. And I wish it was different and it wouldn't be that way, but I look forward to the future because one day, all that stuff's going to be over. Until that time, I still got a job to do. So I'm either in it, period, no matter what, or I'm not really in at all. Because if I'm only in for my life being better and things being easy, you're going to be a frustrated believer who somewhere down the line is going to leave the faith and say, you know, I tried that God thing, but God just was never there for me. We want to realize, we pray, we call in the name of the Lord. God's going to answer every time. 
got to be okay with no. Wait. Endure. I have a purpose and a plan and a direction for your life. And here's what we can hold to, guys. When we have that, okay, look. When that happens, God's not in heaven going, I'm trying to destroy you and ruin your life. What do we know from Jeremiah 29, 11? Come on, everybody's got it on their fridge, right? I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope, right? So what's God's purpose in your life? To destroy you, to ruin your life, to make you miserable. He's in heaven just trying to make you miserable. I'm going to make you miserable. Because everybody knows if you're going to be a believer, you just got to be bitter and angry all the time. No, that's not what God's doing. God's working to build us, to make us, to give us a future and a hope. And so he prays. God answers his prayers. Ways Paul didn't think it was going to happen. But guess what? He made it to Rome. He got to stay there in a, in a apartment for a while. And he got to receive visitors. And he got to share the gospel with people from Caesar's own household. Isn't that a trip? Some say that he led Caesar Nero's wife to the Lord. Tradition. Can't prove it. Some say he stood before Caesar Nero and Nero had an opportunity to receive and rejected. And after he rejected, he went kind of crazy. You guys know the story of Nero, right? So... God did a, did a thing. God did a work. He got him there. So he had a heart. His missionary heart was a praying heart. Then we see in chapter 16, all these names. And we're going to talk about some of them. In uh, Romans 16, 1 through 16, that we, Paul has a loving heart. You see, guys, ministry is not about programs. It's not about how many Bible studies can you do in a week. Or, or how much you can memorize. Ministry is about people. And if it's not about people, we're missing the boat. Coming to church is not about what worship songs we sing or what scriptures we go over. Coming to church ought to be about an opportunity to give somebody a hug and let them know you love them or you care about them or you thought about them this week. Or you'd like to pray for them or you want to be a part. It's supposed to be one big happy family where sometimes we don't get along and we bang heads, but we work it out so we can come back together. It's fam. Family's messy, don't you? Well, I don't know. Maybe you guys don't. My family's messy. But we, we're family. It's my brother still my brother till the, at the end. So since he's still my brother, we're going to figure it out. That's how it's supposed to be here. And we look at chapter 16, 1 through 16. What is that? That's a big, humongous list of Paul talking about all the people he cares about. Just in Rome. I mean, this is, he's not... He's not Talking about the churches in Galatia right now, or Colossae, or Thessalonica. He's not talking about the other churches in the other places. He's talking about Rome. And he's never been there. How in the world do you know so many people in Rome? Because Paul's ministry was not just about teaching and theology and doctrine, and it was about those things. But it's not all about that. It was about people. And he kept in touch. How do you think he kept in touch with people back then? He didn't have Facebook. Oh, I'm on Facebook. I see what's going on. Look, oh, so-and-so did such-and-such. He didn't have Facebook. So how's he find out? It takes a little more effort, didn't it? I mean, you, you had snail mail. What do you think mail was like back then? 
Oh yeah, the mailman came to your mailbox and picked it up and he drove it just a couple days to get it around town. Man, if he sent mail to Rome, it was going to be weeks. And then weeks to hear back. How important do people have to be to you that you actually know the, where they are and what's going on in their life while they're in Rome back then? They mattered to him. His missionary heart for people was, he knew ministry was people. It's about meeting people's needs. It's about spending time with people, about talking with people, about knowing their stories. And if we're going to truly experience what, what God has in mind for the church, then we have to learn to be a church who lets people in and spends time trying to reach into people's lives and be a part of what's going on. We're trying to do a quarterly meet the pastor lunch thing. So far, it's going amazing. Hopefully, it's going to go better. I, I had dinner with myself. Uh, <clears throat> hey, my first Bible study was like that. I did a Bible study and nobody showed up. So, you know, we get used to it. But we're trying to do things so that we can connect. We can get together this after church today. You're going to have a great opportunity to sit around and, t- and talk around soup and visit and hear people's stories and find out what's going on in people's lives. And there's always a million other things to do. Especially in the U.S., man, we, had to, we got the Pro Bowls on. I mean, everybody's got to want to go see that, right? Because nobody watches that dumb, stupid game. We go watch this dumb game that nobody cares about, that the guys are playing aren't even trying. Woohoo! I can't wait to see that. We have an opportunity to be a part of each other's lives, to blend in, to get to know each other's stories. And so that's what I see in these first 16 verses of, of chapter 16. I'm so thankful for Brian to, to cover all those names so I don't have to read them. <coughs> he says, I commend you to Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Tentria, and that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and a sister in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many, and of myself also. Well, what kind of a deal is it for Paul? The very first person he talks about is a woman. I thought women weren't allowed to be anything special in the church. They're just supposed to sit down and be quiet. Learn in silence. So you guys all know all those verses, right? Oh, and that's because we take all them verses cattywampus. What does he say about Phoebe? He tells us she's a sister. She's a servant. There's four things. Did you guys catch them all? Sister, servant, saint, helper. Sister, servant, saint, helper. The word for servant is diakonos. Yeah, she was a deacon. In the church. Serving. When it says she was a helper, literally every time it talks about them helping him, he uses a word in the Greek that that is working to the point of exhaustion. Being a big part of things. So the first, the first one he calls out is this, it's this blessing of a lady, Phoebe, that is there in Rome, a place he's never been. So how does he know about her? How does he know she's a deaconess now? How does, she know, how does he know how she's working? Because he cares. He cares enough to know her story and to know what's happened in her life and know what's going on in her life. <clears throat> He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife team, 
with Paul uh, back in, in uh, Corinth, who had gone back to Rome. They got thrown out of Rome. Then they got had the opportunity to go back. And he says, man, greet those guys. They're having a church in their home. Things are going really good for them. Praise God. You know, those two people risked their neck for me. You know, we don't have any record of that. You realize the Bible doesn't tell you every story of every person that ever happened on earth, right? The Bible tells us one main story. God's redemption of men. We don't know it all. But Paul says, man, they risked their neck for me. Good friends, right? Good for people he cared about, people he loved. This is who he's, this is who he's laying out for us. This is who he's talking about. Uh, likewise, greet the church is in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who is the first fruits of a K.I. to Christ. Hey, greet Epinatus. That's a, that's the first guy I led to the Lord when I started my missionary journeys. Isn't that cool? That was like 15 years earlier. Hey, greet Epinatus. Wow, I led him to the Lord. <coughs> that's a long time ago. But, but Paul still cared. Why? Because ministry's people. Ministry is not offering. Ministry is not the, the sermon. Ministry is people. Being with people. Being a part of what's going on in people's life. Helping people. That's the church. Not the service. That's the church. Being with. Meeting. It says, greet Mary who labored much for us. That's that word. Labored much. Worked all the way to exhaustion. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my, my countrymen and fellow prisoners. Hey, these guys were in jail with me. Greet those guys, uh, Andronicus and Junia, those guys that were, they were in prison with me. He's about to go to prison again, so, so he, he, he's gonna meet other guys in jail. He has a jail ministry. We have a brother here right now, Levi, who has a jail ministry. Levi, five years ago, made some mistakes, got his life right with the Lord, moved to Idaho, man, things going great, man, smoking through school, teaching junior high, Youth group doing all these amazing things. And one night, uh, uh, somebody, a uh, police officer runs his plates and it comes up that he has a f- uh, four-year-old bench warrant for something he didn't take care of when he was in New Mexico. And he has been in jail since then. Two weeks before Christmas and still today. Just waiting to go before the judge and find out what he's got to do to straighten things out. Man, there are people that, that, I'm not going to say that. Yes, Lord. <laughs> I have no comment. But, and nonetheless, while, here's one of the cool things. While he was in, in Twin Falls County, he was in Twin Falls County for two weeks, two weeks plus, he got moved three different times, three different blocks, and in each block he started a Bible study that grew to be about ten guys. Now he's in New Mexico doing the exact same thing. We hear from probably every couple of days. We hear from him and he may have a question about the Bible or some issue that they're working through. Instead, God's using him to meet the needs of guys in jail. And that wasn't probably the answer to his prayer when he was praying to the Lord the day before. But nonetheless, there he is. And he's taken the opportunity. And Paul says, hey, I remember those two guys I was in prison with. Andronicus and Junia, man, it's, it's, greet those guys. I hear they're there in, in Rome. How's he know that? Because he cares about people. <clears throat> he also says, greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord, and Urbanus, <coughs> excuse me, our fellow worker in Christ. 
and Stachys, my beloved, and Apelles, approved in Christ. And greet those of the household of Aristobulus. Man, he's got a lot of people. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Why do people name twins things that rhyme? You know those are twins, right? Come on. You're, you're, no, the people pick those two names? Tryphena and Tryphosa. Tryphena... Which one's which? Well, Tryphena's the one with the pink ribbon in her hair, and Tryphosa's the one with the yellow in her hair. We can't tell them apart otherwise. <laughs> Tryphena and Tryphosa, two female names, people who, again, served alongside with, with Paul, who labored much in the Lord, worked themselves to exhaustion, and he remembers them, he knows their name, he says, greet those guys. Man, those, those two girls, they were amazing. They were amazing. He calls them out. He says, uh, greet the beloved Persis who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. You guys all know Rufus, right? The Gospel of Mark introduces us to him. Everybody read the Gospel of Mark? Well, there's this story. You probably remember the story. Let me see. Jesus is carrying a cross and he can't carry. He falls down. He can't carry it anymore. And a Roman soldier comes along and he talks to a guy. What's that guy's name? Simon uh, the Cyrene, right? In Mark it says, Simon the Cyrene, you know, Alexander and Rufus' dad. Mark's a gospel written to Rome. Why would Mark say that in his gospel? You know Simon, Alexander and Rufus' dad. Because the people in Rome would know who? Alexander and Rufus, who were pillars in the church. Greet Rufus. Simon the Cyrene's son. His mother and mine. Simon the Cyrene's wife. He, Paul says, man, she was like a mother to me. When? Maybe one of the times he got beat. Maybe while he was in prison. Maybe somewhere in Paul's ministry, because ministry is about people, he met Simon the Cyrene's wife and their kids, Alexander and Rufus. And so he calls them out as he's closing the book to Romans. Because ministry is all about people, man. It's all about the people we meet and know. Asencritus, Philegan, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Philologus, and Julia, Nereus, and his sister, Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Right now, somewhere in church, there's a teenage kid going, man, right on. After church, I'm going to go to that cute girl and greet her with a holy kiss. Right now you're thinking, how did the preacher know I was thinking that? Because I was a young guy once, too. Yeah. A holy kiss is a little different. It's like a holy hug. You know, in the Eastern... In in fact, if... uh, You guys remember when Sammy Tanago came... I don't know, last year or whatever. He comes from the Middle East, from Egypt. He shared with us about how to reach out to, to people who are in Islam, Muslims, and, and share the, the gospel with them. Well, when you meet Sammy, what he's going to do is come up alongside you, grab you by the face, and kiss you on both cheeks. And if you ain't ready for it, you're going to get a little freaked out. Like, dude, we don't do that in the U.S. That's a holy kiss. That's a holy kiss. Greet him with a holy kiss. Why? Because... Ministry is about people greeting one another, seeing one another, knowing one another, learning our stories. This missionary heart of Paul was a heart 
filled with love. And we see that in the people that he greets. But then it's also a protecting heart. Look at verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Another amen. A P.S. in the in the story. So it's a protecting heart. He says, note those who cause division. Schismata is the word. Who divide brethren. The Bible says God hates people who sow discord among the brethren. See, if you're a brother and you have discord with another brother, you should be driven to reconnect and fix or solve the schismata. But other people who may be sowed in by Satan, their goal is to cause division. So Paul says, look, his protecting missionary heart when he's looking at the people in Rome, hey, if you got people there who are always causing division, just note who they are and avoid them. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with, with that constant causing of division. He says to, to avoid them, have nothing to do with them. He says you'll know them because they use smooth words and flattering speech. To deceive the simple. And what they're doing is not good, solid teaching. The word doctrine just means to teach. We make it into a a religious word. Doctrine, that's theology. Doctrine, didache, is just either the act of teaching or that which is taught. So if if they're using smooth words and flattering lips to tell you things that are inaccurate... Or not about what the Word of God says. The Word of God is our standard. If it's in there, it's good. If it's not, it ain't. We've got enough problems with what's in there. Without worrying about what's not. So, staying, holding fast to the truth of what God's Word says. If there are people that are teaching those things outside of that. Some other story. Some other concept. Their goal is to mislead the simple. That's what he talks about. It means the people who don't have depth of root. Don't have depth of understanding in the Word. How do I get depth of understanding in the Word? Read it. What do you mean I read it? I try to read it and I don't understand. Just read it. But I read it the other day and I didn't know. Well, call me with your question. And then read. And don't stop reading. And just keep on reading. And if you're reading for an hour and you haven't come across anything you understand yet, you will be a miracle. Last I checked, it's still English. And it pretty much means what it says. The problem is not what does it mean. The problem is what do I got to do about what it means. When we go through, read it. Make it a part of your life. Don't stop reading. Reading every single day as much as you can read. And you will not be the simple that will be taken away or led astray by those who come with smooth words trying to lead astray the simple. Avoid them. And then he says to be wise about what is good. And simple concerning evil. We tend to get that backwards. We can be wise about what is evil and simple about what is good. We don't need to study the evil to understand evil. Just pour in the good. Spend more time pouring in good and don't worry about the evil stuff so much. Just be simple about it. You don't got to understand all that. You just need to understand the Lord. There's enough about understanding the Lord to keep you busy. 
without thinking, you know, I just need to understand this evil thing. Why? Why? It's evil. Let it go. Study what is good. Pour what is good in. So that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ may be with you. He says that the God of peace is going to crush Satan under your feet shortly. He's saying God's going to give you the victory soon. Just keep going. God's going to give you the victory soon. Just keep going. That will always be the word of encouragement. God will give you the victory soon. Just keep going. But it didn't happen today. Well, God will give you the victory soon. Keep going. But it didn't happen today. God will give you the victory soon. Keep going. Maybe just from spending time in the Marine Corps and coaching football. But it is always too soon to quit. It is always too soon to quit. It is always too soon to quit. Everybody got that, right? So it's always too soon? Yeah. Oh, you got it. Always too soon to quit. I know a guy. I should rephrase that. I know a story of a guy. Under the attack of the enemy. During Korea. The the army was coming through the camp. They were overrun. He got hit with a grenade. And it blew off both of his legs at the knees. And he ran on what was left of his legs to get into the machine gun nest to stop the advance of the enemy. He held on that machine gun until he bled out. Four minutes. But he was able to stop the work of the enemy because... It is always too soon to quit. You can always do something else. Always. God is going to give you the victory. Just keep going. The victory is coming. Then we see he has a contagious heart. Don't worry, I'm almost done. Look, it's contagious. He's greeting all these people, and then in verse 21 through 23, everybody else gets into the act. You don't see that? Timothy, my fellow worker, Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, my countrymen, they greet you. So now it's people from his side where he, where, that are writing. And Paul's saying, oh, greet so-and-so, and greet so-and-so. And Timothy goes, hey, say I said hi. Oh, Timothy says hi. And, and then Lucius and Jason, they oh, say I said hi too. Oh, and Lucius and, and Jason, and they look over at Sosipater. He didn't say anything. He just nodded. So they, they put him in. And then the fellow, the guy who's writing, the scribe, because Paul wasn't writing, he was quoting, and this guy's writing. His name was Tertius. He says, hey, hi, Tertius. I'm the guy who's writing this. He just interjects. I, I say hi, too. <laughs> and Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greets you. Hey, all these guys are greeting you. And Erastus. Erastus. I love that Erastus is in there. Do you know why? If you ever get a chance to go to Israel and you go to a Corinth, and you look at the city of Corinth, the ruins of the city of Corinth. <clears throat> you're going to walk down this boulevard. And you're going to come to this stone in the ground. And on this stone in the ground is going to be written the name Erastus laid this pavement under his own expense. In Greek. The same Erastus that Paul's talking about because he's writing from Corinth. Who worked at Corinth and was the city worker, the treasurer of the city. He says, hey, Erastus says hi. And we can go now, 2,000 years later, and see his name in the stone in Corinth. 
That don't trip you out. These are real people. This is not some make-believe story. This is real. Real people from a real place. And Erastus, who was the city treasurer, said, Hey, tell them I said hi. Tell those guys, hey man, it's, it's all about people. And Cordus, a brother, all these people saying, Hey, and howdy, and how you doing? Because they want to express that same heart that Paul has. Contagious. Missionary heart that has a vision, willing to go wherever it can go. Do whatever it needs to do. It's a heart that is filled with, with prayer and a heart that is filled with love and a heart that is contagious. And other people come alongside and want to have a heart like that. And the last thing it does is it praises. It praises. Look what he says. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now unto him. The benediction of Romans According to the revelation of the mystery kept since the world began. Man, if only we had known all these things. But look, now we do. God has shown us. We see these things. They've been revealed and shared through the gospel. Now they are made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations. According to the commandment of the everlasting God. For the purpose of the obedience to the faith. So to God alone, wise, be glory. Through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. See, we made it. It's a miracle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this study through the book of Romans and the things that you've shown us. And God, as we close out today, I pray that it be our desire to have a heart like Paul's. That sees the needs around the world and wants to be a part of of being a part of those. That we recognize that, that ministry is not about about just coming and and running programs. Ministry is about getting to know people. Getting involved in people's lives. Knowing their names. Knowing where they're going and where they're coming from. Praying for one another. Protecting one another from false teaching and concepts that are going to lead people astray. God, I pray that we just get the nuts and bolts. Because this is the church, man. This is the real. This is the place where we build up the broken. This is a place where the broken can come and be set free. And that we care. And that we love. And that we come alongside. God, I pray that you would be glorified. Because our desire, every day, every moment, Lord God, is to lift your name up. Not our name, not the name of a church, the name of Jesus Christ. Because when we lift up Jesus Christ, you said you would draw all men to yourself. You will save men and you will change lives and you will do it all. Just like we've been reading through the book of Romans. You'll do it all because it's all about touching a person one life at a time. God, I pray that you be glorified as we desire together... To get to know one another and to spend time with one another. Lord, I pray that you bless the meal that we're going to share right after church, Lord God. And that uh, people have a blessed time of fellowship as we come together. And in everything we do, God, I pray we lift you up. That you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.